So that finishes principle number one. Principle two is to understand that there's really only three ways to profit from investing in real estate. Number one, it's inflation. Number two, you buy below market value. Number three, you add value to sell at a profit. And slam dunk. So there it is. Over and over, we see people who call themselves investors, lose patience, or fall in love with the deal, pay too much, then have to wait a long time to be in the chips. There's also three ways to lose money in real estate. Greed. I mean, I see so often that people uh, have the opportunity to buy no money down deals and then buy 10 of them. And then it's the amount that you have uh, to manage uh, that you haven't planned on, where maybe you don't get a rental income for one or two months and so on. So if you can weather the storm on one deal, maybe you can't on five. The second one is ignorance. There's so much information out there, books, tapes, newsletters, for instance, mine, <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink. But most people, however, study more the difference in low-fat milk than the intricacies of real estate investing and really. It is cheap study. You can go to the library and find dozens and dozens of books. It is, after all, the single most important investment people have made over time. And finally, of course, there's also bad luck. You might have simply bought at the wrong time or got a tenant from hell, and these things can happen. Which brings us to principle number three. And essentially, there are a number of principles that you have to look at once it is who you are, you have an action plan, you have to see, okay, so what's the market environment that I'm operating in? Clearly, if I'm an investor, I need to look for cash flow. If, on the other hand, I'm a flipper, I have to understand what the market cycles are. And so the basic principles that we want to look at from a larger macro perspective are timing, trend, cycles, inflation and deflation. On a local perspective, because all real estate in the end is local in nature, we have to look for invert migration and job creation, affordability, interest rates, and demand and supply. So, if you're looking at principle number three, then, it is timing. You know, ask any person on the street what the secret of making money in real estate investing is, and you'll hear an eager, location, location, location. Makes one almost throw up. In fact, I got so disenchanted with that cliche that I wrote a book called Forget About Location, Location, Location. And in it, I venture to say that for the average investors, it was far more important to understand the principles of inflation or deflation, question on timing, trend, cycles, and the local influences of interest rates, inflation, migration, etc. Take any house in Burnaby, any location. It is the year 1990 and you pay 280000 for it. In 1995, you sell it to me for 380 because I like that location. You are happy. In 1998, I need to sell and sell it back to you too, but now I only get 280. I'm not happy. You're still very happy for a while. When it did not go up again, you sell it in late 2000 for 280. You're okay. I buy it back, and today it's worth 800,000. What did that have to do with location? And that applies really to all of the houses in Burnaby or any other suburb that you need to mention. Timing was far more important than just the simple fact of location. And then so principle number four is another one that I think is more important than location, and that is what is the general trend in the area? More people moved into Surrey in the 90s than all the people moving into eastern Canada, Sans Ontario, as building lots went from 60,000 to 120,000 in Surrey, 
at the same time where the finely located waterfront condos in Falls Creek crashed. And so when you look at the trend right now in early 2013, that people are leaving for Calgary and Edmonton looking for jobs, there is something to be said for understanding that trend is vital. So here we have timing and trend, and number five would be the building cycles, or cycles in general. Now, there's a lot of cycles out there, from the Kondratiev cycle to all the stock market cycles, but I'm just talking about a building cycle. There is a piece of land, a developer builds a high-rise, makes a lot of money, he wants to taste that money again. So do all of his friends, and they all buy lots and build more high-rises. They start bidding, outbidding the price of the land. They build too many, and slowly buyers hesitate, and they back off. And some developers can't stop building. They're in the ground already. And even though the market is poor, they add more product. Buyers vanish. They back off. So we create cheap interest rates, create programs to make it easier to buy low down, no money down, 40-year mortgages, and we drag buyers from the future to today. But eventually the future comes, and now there's a lot of product. That was the upcycle. Then developers worry about losing money, start selling at lower prices, and then maybe a race to the bottom can occur. We are building those incentives, free furniture, free parking spots, mortgage subsidies, you name it. Still, buyers hold back. And as the stories become negatives and all markets become the stories people tell about them, some developers stop building, some go broke, a few years pass, and then maybe we start the cycle all over again. And clearly, when you went to 1997, residents of uh, Hong Kong, the real estate was more expensive than anywhere else in the world. <clears throat> the residents thought this was quite normal. A visitor would say, my gosh, it is just crazy. It seemed the most dynamic city in the world. But seven years later, by 2004, that same apartment was worth 30% of its price at the peak. So the cycle identification and the reasons what was behind the crash in Hong Kong was very important to understand. Of course, since then, it's become the most expensive city again. So clearly understanding what drove the idea of the, the optimism of development, the overbuilding, which then creates some uncertainty to start having some pessimism in the marketplace and finally hesitant op optimism again and reacquisition. Of course, the last of the macro influences that should guide our real estate investment decision is the question on whether we are in an inflationary or deflationary world. And ladies and gentlemen, there's a thousand opinions on that. In fact, I'd be happy to send you my written opinion on it that I've been espousing in my newsletter for 20 years. And I believed in my past history as president of Royal Page. And when I've gone through all of those market collapses and yet Real estate values always went higher. Why? Because we're printing money out of thin air. And when that money that we print out of thin air competes with the money you and I earn, the result is inflation of hard assets. We have with Milton Friedman who said that inflation is the result of an increase in the quantity of money and debt within an economy. Inflation is primarily a monetary phenomena. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in the most unreported inflation of all times. We're taking continuously things out of the inflation basket, like oil, like housing, like food. Anything that you and I actually pay, we don't put into that target inflation of 2%. 
If you have an interest, go to shadowstats.com to find out what the real rate of inflation is. But that's not necessarily the argument that need to that you need to make. You have to believe that we're in an inflationary environment, and if you do, you can rest easy. Because through all the past cycles, 1974, 1987, 1990, gosh, when 787 banks in the U.S. went bankrupt, we've had a lot of stock market crisis, Asian flus, Russian currency crashes, and you name it. And even in Vancouver, we had declines from 1980 to 82 of 45% in real estate, but we always came through. We started at 13200 in 1960. Today, the average is $1,100,000. And ladies and gentlemen, clearly, real estate was a winner. Once you understand that there are cycles, once you understand that timing is important, and once you believe that inflation is currently a reality.